This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. 24 successive home league wins, 89 points on the board and a first Premier League goal for Curtis Jones. Welcome to the post-game podcast here on the Blood Red channel. I'm Guy Clark as we react to the Reds' homecoming as Premier League champions, seeing off Aston Villa 2-0 at Anfield. Sadio Mane breaking the deadlock after a long and often uneventful 70 minutes had passed before Jones came off the bench to grab his first league goal for the Reds. Coming up then, we'll hear from Jurgen Klopp, a number of our regular post-game contributors, as well as those commenting in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Before we get to all of that, though, let's get over to Anfield and hear what the Echo's Liverpool correspondent Paul Gorst made of the showing. Liverpool got back to winning ways here in Anfield this afternoon as they beat Aston Villa 2-0 uh, thanks to goals from Sadio Mane and Curtis Jones off the bench. Uh, for the first 75 minutes it really was a difficult one for Liverpool and um, they struggled to put anything together resembling a real clear-cut chance. Um, passes were slack, uh, energy levels were below what we have come to expect from Jürgen Klopp's side and it really was a team who had already wrapped up the league playing in front of no fans. Um, in the middle of July, so it, it was a difficult one for Bjorn Klopp. Uh, the drinks break around about the 25 minutes. He could be seen visibly uh, shouting at his players and telling them to basically try and um, come out of this slump that they were in. But um, for, for so long, it looked like they wouldn't. And Aston Villa gave a good account of themselves. Uh, Dean Smith's side, obviously fighting uh, relegation down the bottom of the Premier League. But you wouldn't have known which team was in trouble given the, the respective performance levels from both sides. Um, Mohamed Salah had Liverpool's only shot on target in the first half, which Pepe Reina comfortably saved. Uh, and it took the roundabout until the hour mark for Liverpool to kind of start putting together one or two passes in the final third. Uh, that was down to a triple substitution. Roberto Firmino come on, as did Jordan Henderson and Gini Wijnaldum. And Liverpool started to look a little bit more fluid and finally made the breakthrough with um, with Sadio Mane with his 20th goal of the season. Uh, Naby Keita picked him out inside the box and a nice finish with his left foot off the underside of the bar made sure that Liverpool had the breakthrough uh, that they didn't really deserve, but uh, Liverpool certainly took it. And Curtis Jones, fresh from his new contract earlier this week, he came on um, and uh, slotted past Pepe Reina after a nice cushioned header from Mohamed Salah to give Liverpool a, a 2-0 win. Um, and a, f- a fairly routine one at that, but Liverpool didn't get anywhere near the levels that we've seen previously. But given the uh, the long season that they've already been involved in and the fact that they are already champions with nothing left to chase down apart from that point, Sally, that perhaps was to be expected. But uh, Liverpool eventually got over the line. Liverpool to Aston 1-0. They're now up to 89 points. Five games to see them break the record point tally that Manchester City currently hold that they uh, set two years ago. But that is pretty much all that's left for Liverpool to chase down. Um, so when they go, it's it's now Brighton in midweek. Uh, Liverpool two, Aston Villa nil. Hope Paul didn't get blown away there. Who would have thought it being the beginning of July? Well, the Reds then only needing 11 more points to reach three figures, and still with 15 left to play for. What did Jurgen Klopp make of the game, though? Here's what he had to say to the assembled media after the match. Okay, uh, Jürgen, um, I know uh, you've just been asked by Jess Rees about these other records that are up for grabs and you spoke about them, but you don't say how proud you are to be the only team in a major European league to have a 100% home record so far this season. Yeah, the decisive part is so far. <laughs> uh, we, we, did, we, didn't, we didn't come here and have the numbers uh, we have because we thought about breaking records or something like that. We were always focused 100% on the game and um, that's what will not change. That will not change. And in the end, 
uh, whenever, hopefully in the future, <laughs> any of these records will end uh, or series will end, um, then we can I can start thinking about it. Maybe so far I, I I don't even know the numbers exactly. To be honest, I know we have 89 points, for example, uh, because we must be because we had 86 before the game. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just not. Uh, not a not not a not a not a big thing. If we can do something special, it's great. But we really don't think too much about it. One hundred and one Manchester City achieved. You can achieve one hundred and four. It took seventy minutes to get a, a shot on target today. So even if you're not bothered by those kind of entries into the record book, can you use that to inspire your players to keep going? Yeah, I think the boys know it. So it's easy if you wanna if you wanna have a record points. Pretty much we have to win one football game, so it's not that complicated. I don't have to mention the boys know that, but it was not. It's not necessary for this group. Um, the, the, we have we play pretty much um, for everything each three days means um, for the three points because you don't get more. Whatever, however good you play, uh, you get three points, and um, if you win, and that's what that's that's enough. And I saw that today again. These boys are really are really fighting for these three points in a very difficult game. Um, and um, yeah, I think we should have had in the first half a shot on target because it should have been a penalty. Most of that, to be honest. Uh, but it was a difficult game. Aston Villa did really well, um, to be honest, and um, and yeah. Now, uh, everybody will be really happy that I mentioned it, but the wind was made the game really tricky. I see a few of you sitting in the stands with winter coats. Yeah, and um, so it was and it, on the pitch, the wind in the far right corner was incredible. I think, I'm not sure who from Esmila tried to shoot the ball as far as he can, and he came pretty much straight back. One reason, the other reason, it drives the pitch crazy. and It drives the pitch, so it means the pitch was um, really difficult. and. If you have the ball, if you want to play, then it's difficult. If you want, if you cannot play on the ground, but then you want to go with long balls, but the wind doesn't help with that. So um, it's better. You are not a dominant team in these situations. That's why we had some had a few problems, whatever they liked, how we stayed in the game, how we tried to find solutions, how the boys listened in half time um, to and during in the, in, the, in the first string break already, and we tried really to adapt. And, and, and I saw the improvement on the pitch. And then of course, when the fresh players came on, it was easier for them. With fresh legs against two teams, um, against um, a team that was already um, really busy until then, and helped our players, of course, as well, because it's just an intense period. And um, yeah, we will go through that, but um, we need to make smart decisions. Great. Thank Thank by the way, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Carl Markham has got his hand up. Carl, um, and at the moment, and you've just eaten something, disastrous timing. Uh, and, um, but, and by the way, we have got no, no other hands up. If people want other questions, please let me know. Hi again. On um on Friday we talked about the youngsters and you said you would only play them if, if they were they were good enough. Um I just wonder obviously Curtis sort of came on, made an impact, scored his, his first Premier League goal. That that shows sort of the, the development he's making and, and the talent he has. No, they're all good enough. They're all good enough. Um, hope, uh, it was not about if we ask if they will get, yeah, if uh, we will bring them now and, and let them play, whatever. That's that was more my answer to that question. Um, it was really, it was really hard when you bring on um, um, Curtis and then later even for only for a minute Nico and um, and Harvey is sitting there and you think, wow, no, he is not, but because he is incredible, <laughs> incredible in training and ready as well. So um, it's just about we, are, we we take the situation completely serious. I said that's why I said when the boys are the right choice in that moment, they never will play, but they will not play because they are young. 
So that is maybe makes a bit more clear. And uh, he came on. The first situation he had was a shot. Then he was in, involved. Um, I think he had a foul. So he had pretty much everything apart from a card <laughs> in, in a really short, short um, um, period of time. And um, and then he scored a goal. And the goal, the goal he deserves because um, the cross is coming and the, it looks like um, that the ball will be too long. And then the, the wind slows the ball down. Mo gets the header. And Curtis is there and speculates re- or anticipates better, um, really good, and yeah, can finish it off. So that's um, that's quality, and I like that. Fantastic. Thank you, Carl. We've got Joe from NBC, and as it stands, this will be the last question unless someone makes contact. Joe from NBC. Hi, Jürgen. Um, I want to ask about Nabi Kaito's display. Obviously, he had the assist for Mane's goal. Um, there's a lot of talk about potentially new midfielders coming in for next season, but. <laughs> Is is Naby like a new signing? If he can stay fit, I know you've talked about this before, but how big would it be for you to stay fit and have the impact? Naby's a top player, just a top player, and it was a difficult game today. And he was uh, anyway, he was really good. So helped us a lot, and uh, not only with the goal. It was um, it was oh, you could always play the pass to him. It was always he made always offers. He was in smart positions. I liked the game a lot today. It's just a good example of how good he can be. And this was not for by far not of course not his best game, but it was good. And um, yeah, just happy when a player is in a shape like this and can perform like this because um, we play in three days again, by the way, which is um, tough. And three days later, we play again. And I'm not sure, maybe then four days later again. So that's a, it's a tough period. It, uh, it's just for all tough, but um, you need to find, uh, how is that, solutions for the different moments. And um, today, Navi was a super solution. Fantastic. And by the- Oops, sorry, 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 Joe. Are you there still? I'm still here. Thank you. Just one more from me. Um, the solutions you mentioned about the drinks breaks and I think we saw you know in the second half you scored soon after how big of a change is it for you to have these drinks breaks a chance to chat with the lads tweak a few things and would you like to see it stay in the Premier League beyond this period I think I've said it before I, I would uh, it's like a timeout I would I, I wish for 20 years pretty much Nobody listened, <laughs> obviously, and now we have a drink break and it's obvious, it's clear. It, I, I like it a lot. So um, if people think um, we, you need only a drink break when you have, um, when, when it's like 40 degree outside, then of course England is not a country where you need a drink break really often, especially not in the Northwest um, and, um, or Northeast. But it's, um, it's important just to have that because how is that? It was all a strange, a strange period for the players, and we we didn't know exactly how the boys will react. Nobody could know that, know about that. And um, now I really like the opportunity to to talk. It's only actually I think in the moment when the ref whistles, it starts, and the players it takes pretty much thirty seconds, and the players are around. So you have not a lot of time to talk to the players. They have, you really go there for a drink, but you can give one or two informations. We all have the same chance in the same moment. All different coaches, so that's good. And um, so it's fair, and uh, I like it. Fantastic. Last question, Paul Joyce, um, for the press comments. Hello, Jürgen. Um, would, there, would there be any interest in Thiago Al- Alcantara from Bayern Munich? <laughs> uh, would you be surprised if I don't give an answer on that, just because I never answer these kind of questions? So it's uh, Thiago Alcantara is a, is a really good player. Huh? I'm uh, like a lot of other players um, out there. I like a lot, but that's all I have to say about that. That's it. Thank you very much. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Safe journeys home. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Jurgen Klopp speaking with the press after Liverpool beat Villa 2-0 at Anfield. But the match, not the only topic of conversation and we've more chat on Thiago Alcantara to come. The views of those in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group also on their way, but not before we hear from Owen Thomas, one of our regular contributors here on Post Game. What a lovely result and what a shimmeringly beautiful number of points Liverpool now have. 89 points would be enough to win the league in all but eight of the last 28 seasons of Premier League football. After a first 60 minutes that could have made even the most bloodshot-eyed insomniac nod off, Liverpool finally got our groove on in the last half an hour. No wonder no one likes us. Imagine trying to play against us. This was in no way easy, but I didn't expect it to be, not only because just eight of Aston Villa's previous 20 losses had been by more than one goal, but also, hey, it's Liverpool. We don't do easy. Silver platters are for other teams and are presented by other referees. I'm barely going to mention Paul Tierney today, other than to say that in my opinion, he's yet another certified member of the incompetent buffoon club. By my count, he missed three penalties today, two for us, one for Villa, and several free kicks, mainly for us. But anyway, let's focus on the positives. The goals made me as pleased as Punch after he has landed a right hook on Judy. I loved the long team passing and the quality from Trent and Cater that led to Mane's goal. I would imagine that many Anfield residents came rushing out of their houses the way Sadio blasted that ball in off the bar that must have sent all the local seismometers haywire. A smashing goal. The second was another lovely team move, wasn't it? And it came about after some oil-slick passing that got the better of Villa's three-man press that opened up space for Jones and Hendo to run through the middle. And the rest is indeed history, as, after some clever movement in the box, Curtis was able to stroke home for his first goal in the Premier League. What a moment for him and for us. The future is bright for Liverpool, but the present is also rather dazzling. Once again, Jurgen Klopp's Rocket Reds have found a way. Another opponent bites the dust. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast reminding you, dear listener, that Liverpool have won every single Premier League game at Anfield since January 2019. Shikes. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Steve Dawson on Liverpool's win in front of nobody at Anfield against Aston Villa. It was dire for quite a long while, wasn't it? Um, big relief when that first goal came. And uh, in the end, we'll look back on this as a, a nice, comfortable victory. Um, I think you've got to look at Alison Becker and say that uh, <laughs> while we were getting frustrated about our lack of firepower up the other end, there was um, tremendous solidity in his performance at the back. He is so reliable. Uh, such a pleasure to have there. He's going to win us many more things 
I feel quite sure of that. Um, Team-wise, I thought uh, it was exactly the right thing to do to play Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and, and Navi Keita in midfield. I've spoken before about how that is a, a very attacking midfield when we've got those two players on the flanks of our midfield. But it's going to be very rare when Jurgen Klopp plays those two at the same time, just because I think he's not inclined to be so um, offensive with, with his three midfielders. But if you're going to play Aston Villa, you know, one of the weakest sides in, in the league, then, and you're at Anfield, <clears throat> excuse me, then that is, that is a good time to do it. Um, and of the two of them, uh, again, you know, not for the first time, wasn't desperately impressed by Oxlade Chamberlain. Thought Navi Keita was a candidate for man of the match, certainly. Uh, it, was, it was lovely that he managed to get that assist for Sadio Mane. I think he was busy, always looking for the ball from our back line. Um, invariably, he, he will pass the ball back to the player who's given it to him or just knock it either side. But that in itself creates angles, creates space. Um, he is able to get his foot in challenge for the ball and as we can see he makes those incisive passes in the final third of the field so I was I was very pleased with his performance um, it was no question though uh, a poor first half and I think Villa put a lot of men behind the ball and, and their confidence must have grown as the game go went on because they'd be desperate for that point and it did look as if they were going to get it happy as I was with Navi Keita helping us to break the deadlock with that lovely little pass for um, for Sadio Mane. There was a couple of other contributions to that goal that I thought were, were world-class. One of them I noticed myself immediately, and that was what they call the key pass, the ball before the assist, and that was from Trent Alexander-Arnold to Navi Keita. Just, you know, incisive, threaded the needle, had the vision to see the the pass in the first place and then executed perfectly. Uh, and then the second aspect of it was something that I, I didn't pick up, but Michael Owen did on um, uh, a post-game analysis for the international feed. The movement of Roberto Firmino just to take his marker out of the way so that Nabi Keita had a clear uh, line of sight to play the ball in to Sadio for that first goal. And you know, what a difference those guys made when they when they came on. I, I well, I've said this before. I've certainly felt it for a long time. I remember I, I was at the Champions League final and um, when we were 1-0 up against Tottenham, uh, you know, there was, there was a little spell that Tottenham had in the final quarter of the game and you were a little bit worried that they would equalise and Divock Origi was... Uh, you know, not so reliable in possession, and we were we were uh, not particularly happy with him, um, myself and the people around me. And of course, then just a couple of minutes later, he scored the goal that sealed the trophy for us. And he has a habit of doing that, doesn't he? he scores very important goals at uh, very exciting times, and he'll always always be remembered for that. And if they do build a statue, then uh, I'll be I'd be uh, very happy. But the truth of the matter is he's, he's not the standard of player that we want to see in, in a Liverpool shirt. From the squad that we currently have, I'd, I'd much rather see Minamino as another option up there if one of the big three up front uh, isn't going to be selected. 
I'd happily see Shakiri step in. Um, I think I'd rather see Rian Brewster there as well, and I'd be interested to see um, the form that he's in when he comes back from his from his loan spell. Origi signed a contract recently, didn't he? But I'm I'm fairly sure that's so that we can get some money for him when when we finally do release him. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the next in the next few months. I know coronavirus means that clubs don't have the cash to splash about, but in normal times, I'd expect us to get 25 million for Origi. That's good money for him, and I think um, that's why we we tied him down to another contract. Um, finally, just great to see Curtis Jones uh, get that goal. He's clearly going to be one for the future. Um, in the end, very satisfying time to, to watch that game and get the result that we did. But uh, it was tricky for a while, and I hope we don't put in performances for the rest of this season like we did for the first 65 minutes or so. At Galasahi on Twitter, G-U-L-A-S-A-H-I. Steve Dawson there with his take here on post-game. Mark Baker to come shortly. But let's first see what you're saying in the Blood Red podcast Facebook group. John Maskell writes, Not exactly the most exciting game. The starting lineup changes didn't help in my opinion. Thought Mane was fighting all the time, but the rest were average. The lack of fans doesn't help. Not happy with people saying we've nothing to play for. It's called pride for the badge. I do think they've taken their foot off a bit, but only they will know that. Good goals by Mane and Jones to seal the points, which is the important bit. Home record, points gap, highest points. Who knows what we can still get. Henry O'Keefe writes, Curtis Jones is a breath of fresh air and exactly what we need at this stage of the season. Energetic, creative, motivated. You'll never walk alone. Graham Turner-Shaw says, Not the best first half, was it? Much better second half up the Reds. Logan Zane says, Cater and Ox should never be on the field at the same time. Every time they are, every single attack is broken down by one of them dribbling in circles for 10 minutes. They do not work well in the same system together at all. And Stephen Carey says, a win's a win. No need to overexert ourselves. Once the big guns came on, the game was effectively over. Job done. Roll on the next game up the reds if you want to share your views with us here on post game just search for the blood red podcast group on facebook and once you join who knows your views could well be here on the post game podcast well our last of our regular contributors to come he doesn't want to talk about just the win over villa though it is mark baker what i think i'll do i think i'll skip the game <laughs> a bit of a non-event villa i thought were very organized did very well out of possession um, don't think Liverpool were great, didn't move it very quickly, but ended up getting the win. So um, I think that pretty much sums up the game, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I just thought I'd talk about um, something that's sort of been doing the rounds this week, and it's um, the links to Thiago Alcantara from from Bayern Munich. So one thing I'd, I'd say first of all before before I start anything else is a massive fan of the player. Um, been an avid watcher of Barcelona down the years and obviously watched his, his career as he began and was right player at the wrong time in terms of Xavi's hire. However, at the time, Xavi was still more than more than able in Barcelona's midfield. For me, Xavi is the greatest midfield player of all time. And obviously with Iniesta and Busquets as sort of that triangle, it was just the fact that he wanted more minutes, 
but the, the club at that stage just couldn't give him the minutes that his talent deserved, really. And obviously, Thiago asked to leave the club, then went on to Bayern Munich um, to have a very good career as well. Now, I say links. I mean, there's been no real reputable journalist or source who's gone on record and saying, you know, that this is happening. There's nothing concrete in my mind from what I've seen. However, I would make the point that it may be the case, if there is any element of truth in it, that maybe Liverpool have seen an opportunity come in the market that they wouldn't have necessarily expected. And what I mean by that is that he doesn't really fit the, the, the profile of player the ownership or the club would look to be bringing in. I mean, he's 29 years of age, has a slightly checkered injury history as well. Um, no sell-on value, obviously, because of the age of the player. So them kind of things just say to me, it seems unlikely. However, you're talking about a player who is absolute world-class in the position and who is down to the last year of his contract. And also, he wants to experience, by all accounts, you know, a new league. And may, I don't know, maybe if there is an element of truth in it, Liverpool have looked at it and thought to themselves, right, OK, our rivals are going to be in for this player. He automatically comes in and improves our midfield, um, and it's a it's an option that you know we'd we'd be looking to take now. With Thiago, he's a player who plays as an interior, so he he won't play as the deepest player. He'll play either right or left of that central central um, midfield three. A player who automatically comes in and is able to improve the build up of the team in deeper areas, and I mean. You know, if you look at his player profile, outstanding in tight areas, outstanding turn ability, receiving techniques, seconds and none. Able to break lines with passes into the higher players, disguise passes, lending the ball to teammates. All of them aspects. So, one of the things that down the, the last couple of years under Klopp, obviously Liverpool have been an outstanding team, but sometimes under pressure from opposition of real um, pressurised organisation to Liverpool's defensive third. Liverpool sometimes struggle to, to build up the game and this player would automatically um, help that transition of the ball from deeper areas into higher. Now, my preference has always been for a player to come into Liverpool's midfield and if one was to come in, it'd be a player who operates as almost an eight and a half, a ten, um, like Felipe Coutinho used to do and and connect that midfield to attack in the highest areas. Now, that's not Thiago. He won't play in between bodies um, in that attacking third of the pitch. So, you're getting that that balance, really, of, of acquiring something that Liverpool do need, I feel, to be able to build up quicker, but not necessarily a player who's going to um, dictate the outcome in the final third. More of a transfer of the ball into the highest areas. Again, you look at it and you think if Liverpool are looking to bring in a player like that, well, they're well stocked in that area. How does that fit? And there's no question if they were to, if they were to go all out for Thiago and bring him in on the opportunity of acquiring such an elite player, you'd have to be moving some of them, so at least one of the the players they've already got in their central area. And I know Van Alden obviously has a last year of his contract, much like Thiago, 29 years of age. You've got Oxley Chamberlain's been in and out the side. Nabi Keita in and out the sides, injury problems obviously. So I feel if it's if it's an outlier and Liverpool do 
make the move that they necessarily weren't looking to make that has have repercussions and knock-on effect to some of the players already in that squad because Thiago would go in obviously as a, as a first choice. I think Liverpool's greatest strength under Jurgen Klopp has been their ability to counter-press, almost make the organisation of the team the playmaker in that you can win the ball back high, transfer to the ball to the highest players and then spring attacks rather than having... Um, that genius player, if you like, in the final third, who can, who can have a bit of ingenuity and craft. So, when I look at Thiago, is mobile enough to get around the pitch and fit in with Liverpool's style? You know, that low centre of gravity, able to cover the ground, but also has that little bit of craft and technique in his, in his disguise. Um, technical passing to be able to enter the final third so you get a bit of everything with him outstanding player like I say I don't I, I don't know if there's any um truth to the to the links and there's certainly not not seem to be anything concrete at the moment but it does throw up an interesting question in that if the kind of elite talent in midfield does come available how that affects Liverpool's recruitment and the future of some of the individuals within the squad. Well, Jurgen Klopp didn't exactly rule it out after the game, did he? You get the feeling we may not quite have heard the last of that Thiago Alcantara rumour. But just one last thing to mention before we go. Liverpool's 23-point lead at the top of the Premier League is back intact, with Manchester City having lost 1-0 away at Southampton. Not a bad weekend, eh? Well, remember, give us a rating and review wherever it is you get your audio on demand. And the Blood Red podcast will have the definitive say on the weekend's action. That'll be with you on Monday afternoon. But from myself, Guy Clark, thanks as always goes to those who continue to contribute here on postgame. Until next time, though, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Postgame podcast on the Blood Red channel.